This morning we're going to take the first, of a t- first week in a two-week break from our study in Judges that has been carrying us through the fall. Taking a two-week break to spend some concentrated time on what it means for us to be a sending church for people who grow abroad, who go internationally with the gospel. We're asking the question this morning, what is our responsibility? And that's an especially important question because the needs here in our own city are great. Not just the needs in our own city, but the needs in our families, the needs in our church, the needs of our neighborhoods. When I feel overwhelmed by my own life, in my own family, in my own neighborhood, why should I be expected to invest in places I've never been to, places I may never actually go, full of people that I will never know? I want us to see from Jesus' perspective why we're responsible in the big picture for getting the gospel to nations that don't have it so that we can see, little picture, why we're responsible for Janine and for Mitchell and for Nathan and Haley and others who will go out from our congregation with names and faces we know and with names on a membership covenant we've committed to. That's all we want to do this morning in the few minutes that we have. And I want to do that from Acts chapter 1. You can go ahead and turn over there if you have a Bible. Acts chapter 1. We're going to focus especially on verse 8, but I want to read the verses surrounding it for a little bit of context. If you found Acts chapter 1, I'm going to ask you now to stand with me in honor of God's word while I read. This is the word of the Lord. So when they had come together they being Jesus' followers, and especially his disciples, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is God's word. You can be seated. What is our responsibility for getting the gospel to the nations and for caring for those who go? The first thing I want us to see from this passage is that we are responsible to bear witness to Jesus. We're going to unfold this in three steps. First, we're responsible to bear witness to Jesus. We get this from the setting of Acts 1.8. Jesus has died. Jesus has come back to life. And since he's come back to life, he's been teaching. Teaching his followers. Unfolding for them the significance of what just happened. And preparing them for life after he's gone. But they don't see it yet. Their hopes are fixed in a different place. 
They know that the prophets have promised that one day Israel will be free of their oppressors once and for all. They know that what happens at that point is a new world is here. One where there are no tears, no sin, no death. Where God wipes away every tear and there is only joy and rejoicing forever. They know that's been promised to them. They know that's not yet their reality. But what they have seen is something fundamentally different from what anyone had ever expected. They've seen a man that they knew, a man that they had lived with, walked with, watched, heard from. They've seen that man die, and with his death had all of their hopes crushed. Then they've seen that man come to life, and that doesn't just happen. These people weren't crazy. They weren't more easily duped than we are. They'd seen something radically unexpected. And now those hopes that had been crushed by his death have soared to a whole new level. And they assume, and can you blame them, that this must be the time that Jesus establishes the kingdom that they've been waiting for. That perfect kingdom where there is no more oppression or sorrow or death or sin. And so they ask him. They ask him. Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he says to them, you don't get to know that. You're asking a question that goes beyond your authority. You're asking a question more specifically that goes beyond what you're responsible to know and act on. God has fixed a time where all things will be made right. But that time isn't yet, and that time isn't announced. So Jesus' pushback to them has now created a gap. A gap between what they had seen happen in him, his death and resurrection, and this unleashing of new hope for the world. And the time when all the things they were hoping in him for would actually be made real. In that gap between his first coming and his second coming, what are we supposed to do? We're not supposed to know when he's coming back. We're not supposed to build for ourselves that new world that he's announced. So what is our responsibility? That's where he takes them in verse 8. Verse 7 is, you don't get to know when I'm going to set up my kingdom. Verse 8 is, here is what you are supposed to know. This is what you do need to know to be faithful. Look at verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And what? What are you responsible for? You will be my witnesses. In between Jesus' resurrection and Jesus' return, the church has this very specific mission. We bear witness to Jesus. Now, there's no question that the people that he said that to the first time had a special role to play. He was talking specifically to them in a way that he isn't talking to us. They were the ones who had seen him, after all. His own body crushed. His own body alive again. They saw things we haven't. Their witness is special in that way. But, but what happens next? Through the rest of the story of Acts, through the, the things that Paul says to the church in his letters... What happens through the rest of the history of the church shows that Jesus, though he was speaking directly to his apostles who had seen him with their own eyes, was also speaking to all Christians everywhere. 
he was giving this mission to anyone who knows about Jesus. It wasn't just the responsibility of his friends, those who had seen him and known him. It's the responsibility of everyone who knows him now. Here's the reality, friends. Everybody who has ever believed in Jesus, from the time Jesus spoke these words until this morning, everybody who has ever believed in Jesus has come to believe in him because somebody else told them the news and asked them to believe it. No one has ever and no one will ever believe in Jesus unless someone else tells them about him. Here's what Paul says in Romans chapter 10. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's not a man or a woman or a child anywhere in the world today that doesn't have that promise. Call on Jesus, you get saved. But how are they to call on him in whom they've not believed, Paul asks. And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Friends, to believe on Jesus, to believe on him, to believe that he has died the death that you were meant to die so that you could be forgiven for the sins that you have committed and made new, given new hope and new life. To believe on Jesus for this forgiveness, cleansing and new life is never simply to enjoy the personal freedom that comes from knowing you are not guilty in the way that you were. You have no need for shame in the way that you did. You have hope that you didn't have before Jesus. It's never simply to enjoy those personal benefits. It is that, but it's much more. It's also to become responsible for carrying on his message. It's to be responsible to bear witness to what we've seen and experienced and knowing ourselves to be true. If you believe in Jesus... You are responsible to tell others about him. Acts 1-8 is that simple. It's that clear. But there's more. We're responsible to bear witness to Jesus, but we're also responsible to bear witness to Jesus among all nations. What it means to bear witness to Jesus, that's pretty all-inclusive. It's verbal. It's the things we say about him. It's our lifestyle. It's... It's in the family and in the workplace and in the neighborhood. It, it means using every means you can and every opportunity that you're given. But, but here in Acts 1.8, Jesus gives a very specific context for bearing witness to Jesus that's been binding on all Christians everywhere for all time, including us. It's another layer of responsibility for his followers and all the churches that they would found. It, it sets a pattern. That shows up here in Acts in the way that the story unfolds. And that shows up in Jesus' words uh, in Matthew 28 as well. Look at his language. Here's the context for this responsibility to bear witness. You will be my witnesses, he says, first in Jerusalem. Starts in your own hometown. God has put you where he's put you. In your neighborhood, on your block, in your street, in, on your, in your job, with the friendships that you have on purpose. He's deployed you there. It's not an accident. And you don't have to wait on anything to change about your life before you can take up the responsibility to bear witness to Jesus in your Jerusalem, whatever that is. But it doesn't stop there. We're also to look beyond where we are now to Judea and Samaria, that next ring out. And then he, he doesn't even stop there. 
you will go to the end of the earth. The context for our responsibility to bear witness to Jesus is as broad, as wide-ranging, as diverse and expansive as the ends of the earth. It's everywhere. There are people. That's where we're responsible. And I think that he unfolds this pattern like this to make an even more specific point. You're responsible to go to bear witness where otherwise people won't know about Jesus. This ring of expansion, these rings of expansion that he's describing in Acts 1.8 are pointing us to always be looking outward. Where do they not have access? That's where my responsibility rests. Wherever there are people who don't know about Jesus and what he's offered to them, there we are responsible to get that message. And that means, to put another point on it here, Everyone who knows of Jesus, I've said, is responsible to bear witness to him. Now, let me say it one other way, one, one, uh, one step further, one more strong statement. Everyone who knows of Jesus is responsible for everyone who does not know of him. At one level, friends, if you know Jesus, you're responsible for everyone who doesn't. This responsibility is not given to a special class of Christians. It's not given as one option in how to be faithful. Jesus is not suggesting getting the gospel to the nations as as just one possibility for how to live a faithful life. The New Testament is full of, of opportunities for faithfulness. This is one of the obligations for faithfulness that he's placed on every Christian. Every Christian is to be engaged with the spread of the gospel to peoples who don't have access to it. And friends, that's a lot of people. There are organizations that break down uh, peoples of the world into what what have come to be called people groups. Those are groups of people that uh, are like one another in several really important ways that normally place barriers between themselves and other groups. So language is a really obvious one. Geography is a really obvious one. But other subtle ones are are things like, like... like uh, ethnic strife in your past. So, for example, may live in the same country with, with, with uh, one another, may look on the outside very similar to one another, but be very hostile towards one another based on history, long, deep-rooted history. There's a whole criteria for how people groups are divided up. Here's what you need to know. There are 6,700 people groups that do not, right now, have a sustained self-sustained Christian presence among them. They may have one or two believers. They have a handful of people who have come to know Jesus scattered throughout their, their region. But there's no church there. There's no indigenous witness to Jesus there. Now, I know that's just a number to you right now, so let me put another number on it. That's, that's 40% of the people groups of the world. It represents a population of something like 3.1 billion people. Over 40% of the people in the world do not have a self-sustaining witness to Jesus among them right now. And they won't get one unless somebody who's got access to Jesus takes Jesus to them. And here's what that means. We have a responsibility to these people that don't have gospel access, we have a responsibility to them that we don't have 
to unbelievers in Birmingham or unbelievers in Chicago or unbelievers in Dallas. We have a responsibility to these unreached peoples that we don't have to unbelievers in Latin America or most of Africa or Western Europe or parts of China. We have a unique responsibility to people without gospel access because they won't get access to the gospel unless someone who has it takes it there. So yes, we are responsible for getting the gospel to anyone who's in our path. Yes, we're responsible to support good gospel-centered work wherever it exists. But we have a special responsibility to get the gospel to those who won't have it unless someone who has Jesus takes it to them. So we should ask ourselves first, should I go? Should I move to a place that has no gospel access? That's a question we've been putting in front of ourselves as a congregation from the first year that we existed. One of the prayers we've been praying regularly is that God would inspire some of us to answer yes to that question. Yeah, I should go. And thanks be to God, he's been doing that through Janine, through Nathan and Haley earlier this summer, through Mitchell in a couple of weeks. It's a question, though, that that each one of us, I think, should ask. Should I go? Then there's another question that we should ask. Because whether we answer yes to the going question or not, we're still responsible, every Christian, for people who don't have access to Jesus. I should ask this next. What opportunities do I have for engagement in international missions, in getting the gospel to people who don't have it? What opportunities do I have for engagement in that work that I'm responsible for in my life right now? That's an open question, but I want to I finish by pointing you to one answer to it. This is number three. So we're responsible to bear witness to Jesus. Everybody who has Jesus is responsible to bear witness to him. That's part of what it means to be a Christian. There are no options here. We're also responsible to bear witness to Jesus among the nations. That's an extra layer that's hugely important and easy to forget. The third layer is we are responsible as a congregation for those, to care for those who go. Those of us who remain behind in our church, who, who have made promises to these friends who are going to the ends of the earth, are uniquely responsible to take care of them while they do the work that God has killed, called them to do. I think that's at least one low-hanging fruit opportunity that each one of us have for engaging in the responsibility God's given us to get the gospel to people who don't have it. Not all of us are going to move overseas. Not all of us are going to have a chance to do what Janine's been doing. It wouldn't be good for Nashville if all of us did. It's important that places with gospel access continue to have gospel access. But that means Christians got to stay put sometimes. But whether we stay put or whether we go... We are responsible to get gospel access to those who don't have it. And if we're some of those who stay behind, sharing in this mission, I think we need to see the fact that these brothers and sisters are part of our local church as something that is no accident 
as a special assignment of responsibility to us. God is putting directly in front of us the opportunity that he wants us to take up for investing in the spread of the gospel to nations. Enabling friends like Janine and Nathan and Haley and Mitchell is a powerful way for each one of us to be involved in the work of missions. It's a work that we're responsible for in general because we're Christians. But when members of our church go abroad, we've got a special responsibility to them. Think about the covenant that we make with one another as members of our church. We've promised that we're going to share life together. That we're going to make sure we're building into our life opportunities to know one another. To pay close attention to one another so that we see what's going on in each other's lives and are able to respond to each other's needs. We've promised to encourage one another. To pray for one another. To bear one another's burdens. So these friends, part of these promises we've made to each other, going to the ends of the earth, they are our front line's opportunity to be involved. You can take up the responsibility Jesus has given you to bear witness through all the nations by taking up your responsibility to care for them. I don't know what that, that's going to look like. It changes. Depends on the person, depends on their setting, depends on their month that they're having. What I, what I pray for us from this emphasis that we get to have in the next couple of weeks and from the chance you've had to hear from Janine and the chance you'll have to hear from Mitchell next week is that we'll be asking more questions and working harder to come up with solutions and collectively working together to do a good job of reaching out to these friends and knowing where they are. We're going to pray for Janine in just a moment as a first step in our responsibility to care for her as she helps us be faithful to our responsibility to the nations. I want to close now just by a prayer over this word and its impact on each of us as we've heard it. We're going to sing a couple of songs together to respond to it, and then we'll, we'll go out by praying over Janine. So would you join me now as we pray? Father, thank you for leaving this word for us, this word of what Jesus said to his friends before he left them. It's your gift to us that we still have this that we can still hear it and then know that it's meant for us too. So now we've heard and hearing we've been obligated to respond. And so we pray to you to give us the strength and wisdom that we need to be faithful to you, first of all, and then to be faithful to our friends who go. We're so grateful that you've given us people who have taken up this calling of getting the gospel to places that don't have it. We want to be faithful to them in the midst of our busy lives in the, midst, in the midst of all the different things that are clamoring for our attention, pulling our eyes away back and forth from this to that, we want to be focused on these friends and part of the work that they're doing. So we ask that your word this morning would encourage us to take that up and to be faithful in it. Thank you for your spirit that promises to apply your word to our hearts. Please do that now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.